What's up YouTube? I'm Grante and welcome back to the show. Today we're getting into another audiobook chapter and that is part three, chapter eight of Principles by Ray Dalio. If you find this content interesting, drop a comment, like, subscribe and bell. And here's the title of the chapter. It's uh, chapter eight, higher right, because the penalties for hiring wrong are huge. Enjoy. This video is part of an audiobook series featuring Principles, Life and Work, written by Ray Dalio in 2017. For more audiobooks, please visit my YouTube channel, find me on Spotify, or check out my website for downloads. Chapter 8, Hire Right, because the penalties for hiring wrong are huge. Remember back in Understand That People Are Wired Very Differently, when I described Bridgewater's hit-or-miss hiring practices in its early days? At the very beginning, we just hired people we liked, but too many of them turned out to be bad fits. Because we liked them, we were reluctant to give up on them, and things often went from bad to worse. So we started hiring like most companies do by looking at resumes, narrowing the lists, and then interviewing to get a gut feel for who was right. But the questions we asked our candidates, unlike the questions on a scientifically constructed personality test, were unlikely to elicit answers truly indicative of what they were like. What we were doing, essentially, was looking at prospective employees through our own biased perspectives. Those of us who were linear thinkers tended to want to hire linear thinkers. Those of us who were lateral thinkers tended to want to hire lateral thinkers. We all thought the type we chose would perform best in all the jobs, and as a result, we weren't able to accurately predict who would succeed and who would fail in our very unusual environment. As a result, we continued to make a lot of bad hires. Eventually, we learned from our, our mistakes and failures that we could improve our hiring results in two ways. One, by always being crisp and clear on exactly what kind of person we were looking for. And two, by developing our vocabulary for and means of evaluating people's abilities at a much more granular level. This chapter lays out in detail the principles we've learned from doing this. While we still make too many hiring mistakes, we have significantly reduced the odds of making them by following these processes, while we which we continually try to improve. At a high level, we look for people who think independently, argue open-mindedly and assertively, and above all else, value the intense tr pursuit of truth and excellence, and through it, the rapid improvement of themselves and the organization. Because we treat work as more than just what we do to make a living, we look at every potential hire not just as an employee, but as someone we'd want to share our lives with. We insist that the people we work with are considerate and have a high sense of personal accountability to find or do the difficult right things. We look for people with generous natures and high standards of fairness. Most importantly, they must be able to put their egos aside and assess themselves candidly. Whether you choose to look for those same traits or others, the most important thing you can do is understand that hiring is a high-risk gamble that needs to be approached deliberately. A lot of time, effort, and resources go into hiring and developing new employees before it's clear whether or not they are good fits. Months or even years, and countless dollars can be wasted in training and retraining. Some of those costs are intangible, such as loss of morale and a gradual diminishment of standards as people who aren't excellent in their roles bump into each other. Other costs from bad outcomes can be measured all too easily in dollars and cents. 
So whenever you think you are ready to make someone an offer, think one last time about the important things that might go wrong and what else you can do to better assess those risks and raise your probability of being right. 8.1. Match the person to the design. When building a machine, design precedes people because the type of people you will need will depend on the design. As you design, create a clear mental image of the attributes required for each person to do their job well. It is futile to give responsibilities to people who do not have the qualities required to succeed. It frustrates and inevitably angers all parties, which is damaging to the environment. In order to match a person to the design, start by creating a spec sheet so that there will be a consistent set of criteria that can be applied from recruiting, though performance, through performance reviews. Bridgewater's spec sheets use the same kind of bank qualities as our baseball cards. Don't design jobs to fit people. Over time, this always turns out to be a mistake. This often happens when someone you are reluctant to let go doesn't work out, and there is an inclination to try to find out what else that person can do. Frequently, managers fail to be objective about their own strengths and weaknesses and put themselves into roles that they're not a click for. A. Think through which values, abilities, and skills you are looking for in that order. Values are the deep-seated beliefs that motivate behaviors and determine people's compatibilities with each other. People will fight for their values, and they are likely to fight with people who don't share them. Abilities are ways of thinking and behaving. Some people are great learners and fast processors. Others possess the ability to see things at a higher level. Some focus more on the particulars. Still others think creatively or logically with or with supreme organization. Skills are learned tools, such as being able to speak a foreign language or write computer code. While values and abilities are unlikely to change much, most skills can be, rec- can be acquired in a limited amount of time, like software proficiency can be learned, and often change in worth, like today's most in-demand programming languages are likely to be obsolete in a few years. It is important for you to know what mix of qualities is important to fit each role, and more broadly, what values and abilities are required in people with whom you can have successful relationships. In picking people for long-term relationships, values are most important, abilities come next, and skills are the least important. Yet, most people make the mistake of choosing skills and abilities first and overlooking values. We value people most who have what I call the three C's, character, common sense, and creativity. If your people are bound by a sense of community and mission and they are capable, you will have an extraordinary organization. Some people will value the mission and community and others won't. Since at Bridgewater, the key shared values that maintain our culture are are meaningful work and meaningful relationships, radical truth and radical transparency, an open-minded willingness to explore harsh, diverse realities, including one's own weaknesses, a sense of ownership, a drive for excellence, and the willingness to do the good but difficult things. We look for highly capable people who deeply want all of those things. B. Make finding the right people systematic and scientific. The process for choosing people should be systematically built out and evidence-based. You need to have a people-hiring machine in which the goals are clearly stated so that the outcomes can be compared with them, and the machine, the design, and the people producing the outcomes can evolve to improve. Organizations typically hire people by having job candidates' resumes reviewed by semi-random people based on semi-random criteria, 
which leads them to invite in candidates to have semi-random groups of people ask the candidates semi-random questions and then make their choices of whom to offer jobs based on the consensus of how they liked them. You need to make sure that each one of these steps is done more systematically and purposefully than just described. For example, you should think through what questions are asked and how the different answers candidates give differentiate them in the ways that you are seeking to differentiate them. You should also save all of those answers so you can learn about how indicative they might be of subsequent behaviors and performances. I do not mean that the human dimension or, or art of the hiring process should be eliminated. The personal values and esprit de corps part of, the, of a relationships are critically important and can't be fully measured by data. Sometimes the twinkle in the eye and the facial expressions are telling. However, even for those areas where people's subjective interpretations are important, you can still use data and a scientific approach to be more objective. For example, you can capture data to assess the track records of those making the interpretations. C. Hear the click. Find the right fit between the role and the person. Remember that your goal is to put the right people in the right design. First, understand the responsibilities of the role and the qualities needed to fulfill them. Then, ascertain whether an individual has them. When you're doing this well, there should almost be an audible click as the person you are hiring fits into his or her role. D. Look for the people who sparkle, not just any old one of those. Too many people get hired because they are just one of those. If you're looking for a plumber, you might be inclined to fill the job with the first experienced plumber you interview without ascertaining whether he has the qualities of an outstanding plumber. Yet the difference between an ordinary plumber versus an outstanding one is huge. When reviewing any candidate's background, you must identify whether they have demonstrated themselves to be extraordinary in some way. The most obvious demonstration is outstanding performance within an outstanding peer group. If you're less than excited to hire someone for, an, for a particular job, don't do it. The two of you will probably make each other miserable. E. Don't use your pull to get someone a job. It is, it is unacceptable to use your personal influence to help someone get a job because doing so undermines the meritocracy. It's not good for the job seeker because it conveys they did not really earn it. It is not good for the person doing the hiring because it undermines their authority. And it is not good for you because it demonstrates you will compromise merit for friends. It is an insidious form of corruption and must not be tolerated. The most you can do at Bridgewater in this respect is to provide a reference for someone you know well enough to endorse it. Even though Bridgewater is my company, I have never deviated from this policy. 8.2. Remember that people are built very differently, and that different ways of seeing and thinking make people suitable for different jobs. Some ways of thinking will serve you well for some purposes, and serve you poorly for others. It is highly desirable to understand one's own and others' ways of thinking, and their best applications. Some qualities are more suitable for some jobs. For example, you might not want to hire a highly introverted person as a salesman. That's not to say an introvert can't do the job, it's just that a gregarious person is likely to be more satisfied in the role and do a better job. If you're not naturally good at one type of thinking, it doesn't mean you're precluded from paths that require it. It does, however, require that you either work with someone who has that required way of think has that required way of thinking which works best, or learn to think differently, which is difficult or, reason or even impossible. On the other hand, sometimes I see people dealing with each other, especially in groups, without regard for those differences. They are like the parable of the blind men touching different parts of an elephant and arguing about what it is. 
Just think about how much better it would be if people were open-minded enough to realize that none of them have the complete picture. Both people expressing their own views and those considering the views of others need to take each other's differences into account. These differences are real, so it's dumb to pretend that they don't exist. A. Understand how to use and interpret personality assessments. Personality assessments are valuable tools for getting a quick picture of what people are like in terms of their abilities, preferences, and style. They are often more objective and reliable than interviews. B. Remember that people tend to pick people like themselves, so choose interviewers who can identify what you are looking for. If you're looking for a visionary, pick a visionary to do the interview in which you probe for vision. If you are looking for a mix of qualities, assemble a group of interviewers who embody those qualities collectively. Don't choose interviewers whose judgment you don't trust. In other words, make sure that they're believable. C. Look for people who are willing to look at themselves objectively. Everyone has strengths and weaknesses. The key to success is understanding one's weaknesses and successfully compensating for them. People who lack that ability fail chronically. D. Remember that people typically don't change all that much. This is especially true over short periods of time like a year or two, yet most people want to assume that when someone does something wrong, the person will learn the lesson and change. That's naive. It is best to assume that they won't change unless there is good evidence to the contrary that they will. It's better to bet on changes you have seen than those you hope for. 8.3. Think of your teams the way that sports managers do. No one person possesses everything requir required to produce success, yet everyone must excel. Teams should operate like those in professional sports, where different skills are required to play different positions. Excellence in each is mandatory. The success of the mission is uncompromisable, and members that don't measure up may need to be cut. When teams operate with such high standards and shared values, extraordinary relationships are likely to, to develop. 8.4. Pay attention to people's track records. People's personalities are pretty well formed before they come to you, and they've been leaving their fingerprints all over the place since childhood. Anyone is fairly knowledgeable if you do your homework. You have to get at their values, abilities, and skills. Do they have a track record of excellence in what they're expe you're expecting them to do? Have they done the thing you want them to do successfully at least three times? If not, you're making a lower probability bet, so you want to have really good reasons for doing so. That doesn't mean you should never allow yourself or others to do anything new. Of course you should. But do it with appropriate caution and with guardrails. That is, have an experienced person oversee the inexperienced person, yourself included, if you fit that description.